A note. Following advice from work-life imbalance may lead to action being taken by HR, your family, the authorities, or higher powers. Life and Balance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I'm your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. Today we'll be talking about commuting to work in the deep dive before we address audience questions and issues from the internet. But first... Before we get to the daily stand-up, we, we got to talk about something, because, uh... Alright. <laughs> ever, ever since we fucking dunked on Lord last week, she is haunting me. Like, I have not heard a Lord song in probably a year, year and a half, and ever since we dunked on her last week, I have heard it three fucking times. It, it, huh. One was in, one was in, like, a fucking, like, a supermarket or whatnot, like... I can't escape it. <laughs> Up in the pick we and save hearing royals? Yeah, and it was terrible. And I... Uh, all I'm saying is that we need to be careful. <laughs> we need to be careful who we make fun of. Because they have ways to hurt us. And I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> but if we only come for people who aren't famous, then they can't punch back. This is exactly what I'm saying. So <laughs> let's go find random people on the street... And just roast them. <laughs> okay, so I mean, we would we would only be boxing at our own level then, because we're certainly not famous. So it's not like we're punching. Right. We're it's not like we're punching down, right? <laughs> we're at at best punching laterally. Yeah, so. I'm sure if we just randomly chose people off the street, we'd invariably like five times out of ten pick someone who was more famous than us. So. <laughs> I, I think that's a safe bet. We'd be like, ah, oh, yeah, that's right. How do you like that? And they'd be like, we're going to talk about you on our podcast next. And we'll be like, what's your listenership like? <laughs> Son of like? a bitch. Son of a bitch. Their <laughs> listenership's better than ours. <laughs> I, I'm just saying we got to be careful. We're, we're playing with fire here. <laughs> All right, what you got for the daily stand-up? Oh, for the daily stand-up today, I was going to talk about not the fastest hedgehog, which is Sonic the Hedgehog. Right. But the slowest hedgehog, who is named okay. Arbuckle. Arbuckle? <laughs> he lives in Scotland, and he weighs five pounds. Woo, baby! Which is, which is about a... double what the biggest uh, a hedgehog should be. So he is twice as fat as a hedgehog should be. He's apparently about the size of a basketball. Ooh, that's a hefty ball of spikes right there. Jesus. Oh, indeed. Uh, uh, put, just tie him to the end of a stick and you got a morning star. Or a flail, rather. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's at a, he's at a Scottish um, animal sanctuary, apparently, and they, they have had to put Arbuckle on a diet because he weighs entirely too much. 
So was he wild to begin with and, you know, they caught him and, you know, he was just that fat or did he get that fat in captivity? I think he was, I think he was a captive uh, hedgehog who was, who was probably well loved in terms of feeding um, before, (laughs) I guess, being surrendered to the animal sanctuary. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Just the thought that like. You can tell how much an animal lo- was loved by, you know, how fat it is. Uh, I clearly was loved very, very much. Oh, yeah. Uh, both and of us still loved very, very much. <laughs> we are we are both very well loved. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Nobody has thus surrendered me to an animal sanctuary yet for them to put my ass on a diet, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I'm just waiting for the moment where it's like, you know what? It it's it's better for you if you just go to this animal animal sanctuary. Um, I guess depending on the animal sanctuary, sanctuary, I wouldn't be that sad. If it was like a you know a, a happy puppy animal sanctuary, or I guess that's just a shelter. Uh, but if they just like throw me in the cages with a cute little puppies that'd be cool now if it is the sarah mclaughlin commercial puppies where they're all just super sad and crying all the time uh i mean i was gonna say i would just make me that would be sad i would probably end up at like a people sanctuary (laughs) prison (laughs) just prison (laughs) now at prison i don't think there's any chance of you uh (laughs) of you getting overly plump because as I have, look, I've seen Orange is the New Black. I know how bad prison fruit is. You ain't got to yeah. tell me. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've, heard, I've seen some of like the prison cookbooks and stuff where they're like, yeah, I made a tamale out of like pork rinds and Frito chips or something. And I'm like, I don't know. I've had to be hard <laughs> up. On the tongue of a Nike. <laughs> they're like, yeah, we made a cake. It was a packet of Kool-Aid and 15 cream cheese. <laughs> Uh, the single serve cream cheese squeezers, you know, like I don't know. I think <laughs> we, we had to. They had to basically like take uh, those, those little rich sandwich crackers and like scrape out the cheese in the middle of them, <laughs> like a hundred and fifty of them to make enough to actually make a cream cheese. But that that's another that's another reason I'm not cut out for prison. Like obviously I am. Uh, l- okay, let's count the ways. A uh, not really the best physical shape, so I think I would be an easy target. B, I do have uh, childbearing hips, which is a... <laughs> which is commonly... Um, we'll say doted upon in, in prison. Um, and three, you know, I'm just not inventive inventive enough with with food, and, and I like high-quality food. I, I think that's what got me in the predicament that I'm in right now. Um, but no, you know, that... Those are three of the many... And growing list of reasons why I wouldn't survive in prison. <laughs> you and me both, man. Okay, so uh, what was his name again? Arbuckle? Arbuckle. 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 So what is this? <laughs> I'm guessing they're just going to feed him less grubs. Like, I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm think... not exactly up on on hedgehog diets, but I, I assume it's grubs and or some sort of fruit product. Yeah, I think it's just portioned out. It's it's grubs and stuff like that. And they're just keeping him on a, on a portion diet. He's no longer being fed with the rest of the hedgehogs because when they went to feed the rest of the hedgehogs at one point, <laughs> he didn't go to the feeding area because he okay. was too fat to move. 
Oh, and I guess in an, in and of itself, that is something of a diet. I mean, like he's sure. he's on a diet until he can get over to where the food is. He doesn't eat any food. <laughs> he'll he'll oh. skinny up pretty quick. Drop a good pound. See, I I thought you were gonna say that he was like uh <laughs> they they try to feed the other hedgehogs and he was you know king of the fucking mountain and basically protected the food so that he could eat it all and that's why. He was so portly, but no, he, he he was past that to the point where he could no longer even waddle to his food bowl. Yeah, I think he was he was king of hedgehogs carried on a palanquin at that point. Like no longer <laughs> no longer the battle king that he had been in his youth. It's now the twilight age of King Arbuckle of the Hedgehogs. <laughs> like a fucking Brian Jacques Redwall novel. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that really is like it is just like a fucking Redwall character where he's been fed too much and now, you know, <laughs> except for, you know, in, in Redwall he'd be I'm sure he'd be killed um or you know, his kingdom invaded and all of his people put to slavery as is common in those books but yeah i'm yeah. like thinking about it i didn't read a lot of those <laughs> uh those books like i got about halfway in and i was like this this some hard shit like i was expecting <laughs> some fluffy bunnies but the fluffy bunnies are like put them to the sword right <laughs> <laughs> no nah, there there's nothing uh you know i read the books i think when i was I think I started reading when I was 10 or something and I, I read like 10 books or something and yeah they're they are not really like for kids like there's a lot of like there's there's a ton of death like there's a ton of killing I mean it's basically like medieval history but told by forest folk like forest animals and it's really good like for at, at least for my childlike brain like it was it was good literature but at the same time, like, you start, like, really distrusting, like, weasels and shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it really was very, like, very closely, you know, to the, whatever the personification of, like, a, a weasel or a fox. You know, they kind of had the same, those characteristics that you might expect. Um, Moostalids ain't shit. Right. <laughs> Next but up yeah, is going to no, be no. a Winnie the Pooh and Mad Max crossover. <laughs> Uh, you see uh, Piglet, like, jumping off the top of the tree. Witness me! <laughs> <laughs> oh, bother. Witness me. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Riding to Valhalla, shiny and chrome. It's <laughs> 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 so, so fucking dumb. <laughs> Oh, I don't know, man. If I <laughs> if I were in any way an artist, I know what I would be drawing now. Oh my god! I'll see if I can get get Jessica on the fan art for that. Oh man! <laughs> All right. Uh, today on the deep dive, want to talk about commuting to work. Some jobs are easier to get to than others, and those jobs with really long commutes can sometimes be more trouble than they're worth, even if they're a really good job. So, Frank, what is your experience with commuting to work? So, my longest commute to work is actually the job that I've got now. So, okay. uh, the job before this I had for 
a pretty good long time. And when I first got that job, the, the office was located at a certain point in town, and I actually got a, uh, an apartment near there, uh, and I was close enough that if I put on Muse's uh, Knights of Cydonia, when <laughs> I got in the car, I, I shut the car off at work, uh, just like at the ending bar. If I if I nice. if I sat in in the car for like five seconds, I, I got to finish out the song. So it took me about six minutes. Right. <laughs> As I like to tell people at that time, I could leave the house late for work and get there on time. <laughs> but before you moved to the apartment, what was your commute like? Well, like before then, I was I was like mostly college guy, so it, it didn't really count. I think. Ah, okay. Um, but then, then that I, I kept that job, and that job moved downtown. Um, ah, so we okay. had been out on yep. the edge of town, literally the same building that you work in right now. Uh, and I right. had lived basically down around the corner from there because it's Birmingham, and apparently we've got four fucking office buildings in the entirety of it. Is I mean seriously, like, <laughs> like half the places that I have worked have have shared office buildings with one another. Not at the same exact time, but at different points in time. So yeah, there's a there's a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of Eskimo brothers happening. I'm waiting to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting to get a job at like the place downstairs from the place that I have one job, just so I can like roll back in the next week. And people are be like, I thought you quit. It's like, I did. I'm now, uh, I did. I'm now one floor down. <laughs> um, but yeah, they take one less flight of stairs. They moved, uh, downtown. And so that was about the same time that I had been established enough that I moved downtown with the job. Uh, and essentially right. I bought my house. I bought my house at the twilight of my career at that particular organization, although I didn't, at the time of my signing, realize that it was the twilight of my career. <laughs> I was about to say, you don't normally make that, you know, that commitment to being so near a job without some semblance of at least expecting to have work at that same location the next week. Oh yeah, no baby, it was all uphill for Frank Eastman from there, and it was not long <laughs> after I signed on the house that I was like, I, I have made a terrible mistake. Oof. Um, but yeah, so I moved where I'm at now to be closer to the job that I had at that time. Well, now I've got a job, you know where I work, and it is mm -hmm. literally on the edge of town, and I now live in the center of town, more or less. Right. So now my commute is is very long, but it is in the opposite direction from where everybody else is going. So while everybody else is heading into town for work, I'm headed out of town. Right. And when everybody is headed out of town at the end of the day, I'm headed back into town. So it actually works out right. fairly well for me. Um, but the, yeah. the road that I take is still kind of a clusterfuck. So depending upon when I leave my house, my commute is 30 minutes to 90 minutes. Oof. That is that is what we call a variable commute. Yeah, it is significantly <laughs> variable depending on exactly how many car accidents and it's not whether or not there's a car accident cuz that it, it's not. Nope. It is how many car accidents are going on on that particular stretch of roadway as to the determining factor as to when I get to work. Yeah. Uh 
If you can make it all the way down that road without seeing a car wreck, you need to go just like play the lottery because you will never, you will never get this lucky again. Like that, you are at your your peak of luck if you can travel this road without seeing a car wreck. Yeah, I mean, I think a bad day on that road is when there is like a multi semi wreck, and it's like, oh, there was a tractor trailer on fire on the way into work today, so I was later than expected. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, I've had a couple of different instances of of really bad commutes. Um, one of which was, you know, essentially I. I graduated college and was already working in a development job, but you know, just it was the one that I had. I just kind of rolled over from a part timer to a full timer, and you know, I worked there for about four months. And you know, there were actually some things that happened, you know, that we had talked about previously on the podcast about my boss just basically just like in the middle of a boardroom, just like hopping up on the desk and shitting in front of us. Um, so I, I knew my days were kind of numbered and wanted to get out of there. Um, so I took a job in Birmingham when I still lived in Tuscaloosa, which is, you know, about 50 miles away. And so, you know, I, I kind of was lucky, like I lived on the side of town that was closest to Birmingham. So, you know, I could just literally from my apartment within like a minute be on the interstate, but it was still, you know, 45 minutes until I, I got to the office. And at that time, you know, I, I think there was still, there was probably a little bit less, um, how do we put it? cluster fuckiness about the uh the interstates at the time oh yeah so, yeah, yeah. it's know, it's only gotten worse with time right and you know essentially the roads that i took in were fairly clear but uh but coming out of birmingham it was going to be a complete mess unless i left by like three forty-five or something and i don't know if i've ever mentioned this i am not a morning person and <laughs> you know they're suggested Hours were well. Oh, you you can just work seven to four, and I'm like, I I can yes, but do you want me to? Is a totally different discussion. So you know, essentially, you know, in in order to make that commute, you know, to keep it to that forty five minutes, I had to start coming in at seven a.m. I left the house at six, and let me tell you this, Frank, I was. I don't think I've ever been that cranky for uh, for a seven month period in my life. Like I, I don't know. <laughs> that was case in proof that I am not a morning person, and there is no amount of money and or cool job that will make me a morning person. Because <laughs> getting up, you know, getting up at five thirty was was just fucking awful. Um, but that's what I had to do to try to get that that commute down, or at least keep it reasonable, and then. And then See, Derek, because of the commute. I'm just you from the past. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, there, there's a few things that... I, I need to take some notes. Hold on. <laughs> there's a few things I need to head off of the past. All right. <laughs> but no, so... Essentially, you know, because that commute... Slowly but surely, that commute started to kill me. And, you know... It it's before like I got into podcasting and it's and it's before I got into like you know really into some of the music I was into and things like that. So I, I literally had forty five minutes where or or an hour where I was just I guess listening to the radio or something like like actual you know station radio and you it was poor fucking bastard. unbearable. Yeah, I I had nothing productive to do for that hour. So you know 
So because I traveled an hour each way to work, my 40-hour work week turned into a 50-hour work week automatically. And, you know, that's something that you you really have to consider because if you're making, you know, let's say you work 40 hours a week in town and, you know, you make X amount of money. Well, if you have to drive an hour each way to get to work from then on out, essentially you have to make like, you know, X times, you know, one and a quarter in order to actually balance out because, you know, you're losing time and not to factor in the, the wear and tear on the car. So, you know, I mean, commuting can be not just a, a perk or a disadvantage, like just from like a mental or, or physical perspective, but it, it actually can be a financial burden or, or you know, a, oh, a yeah. true financial loss in order to, to even get to work. Oh, it, it's definitely something that you've got to take into the accounting. Like, and, and with the job that I've got now, I actually have to take it into the accounting to some extent. Like right. that, that it is a, a fairly, I mean, a lot of people based on where I work, like it's not exactly close to anything. So everybody's got a pretty decent commute. <laughs> Everybody is at least like 40% as in the same boat as you are. Oh yeah. I mean, my job is literally like, it is not part of a, a wildlife sanctuary or state park, but it abuts a state park. <laughs> Yeah, it is literally next to. So, <laughs> uh, okay. So, with that in mind, I mean, what would you consider? You know, how far is too far for you know the perfect job? Like, let's say that it's it's great pay, it's great benefits, all that kind of thing. Is there a certain distance or certain you know time commitment that you would be unwilling to commit to this if it was the perfect job? If it was if it was the perfect job, I have to say, like, be being me, the perfect job, my commute would be zero because I would be working in my home. Right. Like, I'll just put that on the on the. But if it were something that was close to the perfect job, if it was the best job that I have ever had, I don't know. Like, I've I've experienced a lot of people who, like you, have had that 50 mile commute. Just based on right. because in the south distances are longer, right. and just and in so yeah, just in general, things are farther apart than they are in other parts of the country. And and I think, you know, I might I might end up going for that if it were a good enough job and the pay were enough. Because now, as you pointed out, with my life and podcasts, I can kill an hour or two hours every day in the car without right. without a lot of problem. I'm like. Mm. That's letting me get caught up. Yeah, I, I am significantly better equipped to handle a, a commute now. Uh, but but yeah, the the probably total of like a year where I tried it, it it was it was very, very tough. I mean, it, as far as I'm concerned, I if, if it had been before I started going to the gym, I probably would have said there, you know, there's not really a time limit like Obviously, like mileage is going to be an issue because like if I'm if I'm traveling 10 miles and it takes me, you know, 90 minutes, like, you know, that sucks. But it's it's only putting so much wear and tear on your car. Like it's not you're not going to hit like 100,000 miles in a couple of years. But if you're traveling like 75 miles a day, like when I was traveling 50 miles a day working five days a week, I mean, essentially or excuse me, when I was doing 50 miles each way, I mean, that was. You know, that was a hundred miles a day, yeah. 
yeah, 2,000 miles a month or more. And, you know, I, I took a, you know, fairly new, like, 2009 Corolla and pretty much drove it to fucking death in a year. And, I mean, th- that that is kind of depressing where it's like, this fucker isn't even halfway paid off and it's already, like, got a, almost like a zero in the Kelly Blue Book value. Like, that is depressing. So, um, I think less time and more, like, distance and the amount of... Uh, of shit that it that it puts on your car, I think would be my greater calculation. But but I guess the perfect job would come with a a, a pretty high salary. I don't know. I, I kind of tend to like with the, you know all the working out and all the stuff that I've committed to nowadays. You know I do value my time pretty highly. There's only so much so many hours in the day. I got to get to the gym. I got to cook, and then you know maybe I'll have time to do something for myself like at like nine o'clock. And I'm going to bed at like midnight or one. So that that time commitment is it's pretty nasty. And, you know, when you look at your paycheck and think, you know, I, I'm for 40 hours a week. This this is good. But for the 50, 55 that I'm spending because of my commute, yeah, this is that's nasty. So I, I, where is that breaking point? Like, where do you decide, OK, I put up with this long enough. You know, let me either find something closer to where my, you know, that, that money will go further or do I look for maybe the same area, but just something higher paying. So I realized something while you were, while you were uh, talking, Derek, how and much I fucking talk. Yeah. No, the, <laughs> the amount to which you talk about the amount to which you work out. Here's my fear. <laughs> One of these okay. days, we're going to end up at like a podcast convention or another, and people are going to meet us for the first time that have been fans <laughs> of our show for a while. Most, most of my fucking comedy, most of my fucking comedy involves us joking about the fact that we're fat dudes, and I don't necessarily <laughs> want to roll up in there, and I've got fucking Adonis next to me. <laughs> Okay, so there are two problems with that. A, even even with the finest sculptor on the planet, you could not turn my marbly mess into into Adonis. So we'll put that out there. So there there is a ceiling to how close to perfection I could possibly get. So yes, I do work out a lot. I work out, you know, I, I mean, a lot, a lot. I mean, of course, people who are fit, you know, they're working out maybe four, five, six times a week. You know, I'm working out... You know, three days a week and then two days of cardio. Uh, I'm putting in a lot of work, but I'm also putting a lot of food into my mouth. So if if we were to stick to the diet, yes, then you may have concerns about like rolling up to the podcast convention with like <laughs> fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin sitting in your passenger seat. Uh, but I I don't <laughs> think I don't think we are anywhere near that. So. But, but I appreciate that you fear that. That's great. That might give me might give me some extra motivation. I was going to say, next time you guys are thinking about a cheat day, just tell Jessica, like, I got to eat this pizza. Or else all of Frank's comedy goes straight in the shitter. <laughs> oh, you ain't going to be able to make no two fat dude jokes anymore. It's going to be fat guy and then other guy. <laughs> Oh my god. I mean, 
Maybe one day that'll be a goal. I'll, I'll see what what type of comedy when our comedy has run out as the two fat guys. You know, maybe we can have some evolution into the one fat guy, one fit guy. Who knows? My guess is that I will talk a lot about protein, but I mean, <laughs> I guess with about with the amount that we talk about getting to Flavor Town and shit like that, we already talk about protein quite a bit. So. <laughs> Oh, Derek, oh, I'm going to end up having to take up the gauntlet you throw down. Sorry, I got off a topic. I'm just sitting here while you're while you were talking about <laughs> how often you got to leave the office in order to to get to the gym, and I'm like, damn, <laughs> this motherfucker is at the gym all the goddamn time. Oh, I I am, but uh, yeah, <laughs> you can lead a horse to water, Frank, but you can't always make him drink. So, <laughs> oh God. Oh, shit. We can discuss you know it on what? our way down to yeah. accounting. Yeah, let's skip HR this time. I don't want to tell him about my, my semen joke I just made. <laughs> See, here's the sad thing about talking about the working out. I've got, uh, mm-hmm. I've got weights literally sitting right next to this desk. <laughs> So there's just no excuse. I could literally, right. I am right now, I am doing this podcast, and I'm doing bicep curls. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to catch up to you, Derek. Oh, God. Work, working on my fitness right now. We're on this podcast. We're going to be changing this podcast from work life and balance, and it's just going to be like... Workout and balance. Workout and balance. <laughs> Oh, the God. jokes will be the same because I'll be like, the workout imbalances, for some reason, my right arm is bulky and my left arm is all weak and noodly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Derek, want to do the review retrospective? Please, sir. Hit me with the compliments. Love this show. Five stars by Kevin from Nerdy Things Pod. Found this the other day. Can't stop listening. Keep up the good work, guys. And everyone reading this before you listen, you won't regret the download. <laughs> I, I think that's a little presumptive, but I do appreciate his vote of confidence. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I like I like a vote of confidence. He's already telling folks that they should uh, they should download and that they will like it, regardless of whether or not they would like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it. Listen and subscribe. The Pod Couple from Canada. I found this through a group on Twitter and am thrilled to have a new podcast in my lineup. The hosts are great. They have an awesome chemistry. They have a wide range of topics which are interesting and entertaining. On the episodes that I have listened to, I can totally relate to the challenges of office life. Give this podcast a listen and subscribe. It's Pod Couple approved. Thank you for the compliments. That's very nice, especially coming from, from you guys who have such a wonderful show too. I mean, they've they've even gone so far as to have pod in their names. Right. They're bringing the A-game. Exactly. All right. Do you know what fucking time it is, Frank? What time is it, Derek? Is it is it time for me to have my mind fucking blown? Yes, it absolutely is. Roll that beautiful bean footage. Gather around, kitties. Let me spin you a tale. Of audio adventure from two fat guys so pale. We found these shows and we laughed till we pooed. And 
We've got a feeling that you'll like them too. The Indie Podcast Corner. See, Derek, what I love most about that (laughs) is the low-rent minstrelry. This this is what's so fucking frustrating. That is six <laughs> weeks in the making. Six weeks. <laughs> oh, oh my god, shit, man! Nah, that's that's the oh. intro to like my college Robin Hood play, you know, or something <laughs> like that. It took a lot of fucking work to make it make it sound that low budget. No, like, I know. Holy it was, shit! That's that's some skill. <laughs> oh, people God, are like, we couldn't man. make it sound that shitty if we tried, and and Derek's like, <laughs> you say that. <laughs> oh, God, the only thing that I didn't have to that I didn't have to fuck up worse than it was was the vocals. Yeah, those started rough, so <laughs> couldn't, <laughs> couldn't make those better. Just but, had to back uh, everything back down to the quality of the vocal. Yeah, it was. Uh, had to had to dip it down quite a bit, but no. Uh, I actually thought about possibly like auto tuning a little bit and see how we got, but like, <laughs> you know, auto tune can only do so much. So. You say that, Derek, <laughs> but I think that's also like the last twenty years of Cher's career. That is true. That's true. I I think the thing is like I am not good enough with auto tune, but you know we'll we'll see. Uh, but I am I am so fucking glad to have that thing done. All right, we we've gotten off topic, but yes, yeah, so there is the whatever it is indie podcast corner jingle. <laughs> uh, on the indie podcast corner, uh, in this segment, we take a few minutes to tell you about a new podcast we've been enjoying that we think you'll enjoy too. This week, our featured show is the All the Things That Make Us Uncomfortable podcast. The hosts are Mallory, Lydia, and Joseph. Their show revolves around pop culture, politics, and geekdom, and uncomfortable topics therein. One of their recent episodes... Oh, it it stuck... It it was beautifully... I'm not going to say close to home, because the... (laughs) You'll know why. The question that they were talking about was, did 90s cartoons create furries? Oh. <laughs> and my response to that is, yes, they absolutely did. Lola Bunny was way too fucking hot for Space Jam. Like, that was a that was a kid's cartoon. They, were, they should be ashamed of their fucking selves. See, now, uh, I have to disagree, Derek, because I think this shit started a decade earlier with the 80s. With what? With all the fucking Disney cartoons that came out in the 80s, like Robin Hood. Oh, you're right. That You have no idea how much yeah. thirst there is on the internet for fucking Robin Hood or that chicken that plays the loot. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? You're talking about like Maid Marion or something. Were you talking about the fucking chicken? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. No, okay. So I I think that kind of that that may throw a little monkey wrench in their plan because I think 90s cartoons created a new generation of furries. But but yeah, the, uh, the Robin Hood, that certainly spawned 
many. See, they keep um, they keep doing it and redoubling on it though, because I think it might have finally gone away. But then they had that Zootopia movie. That's going to be a problem in about ten years. Like there's there's a lot of exploration going on with that movie that uh, parents are going to have some uncomfortable conversations with children about. It never ends. It's a cycle. <laughs> the furries grow up to create movies to create more furries. God damn it. When will the cycle end? Anyway. <laughs> when, when will they learn they have meddled in things that man was not meant to meddle in? See, this entire time, we thought it was some sort of fucking Necronomicon shit that was right, going to summon right. up the old gods. No. No, the thing that man was not meant to know was exactly how sexy bunnies are. <laughs> I've killed oh Derek. Oh my god. See, I knew furries were going to kill me one day. I knew it. I knew it years ago, and it's coming to fruition. <laughs> you oh. just thought it was going to be at the bottom of the worst yif pile. <laughs> I thought it was going to be at a convention somewhere, but no, it's it's remotely. Hmm. They're, they're they're very cunning. Like a fox, you might say. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, all right, back to, <laughs> back to the podcast thing. The three, of them are, the three of them are all hilarious and each land an interesting take on whatever subject they happen to be discussing. <laughs> I can't, I'm just thinking about furries, Frank. I know it distracts you so many hours during the day, Derek, but listen, you got to concentrate. We're trying to make a podcast here. You can't think about your happy place. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, so once again, that is the All the Things That Make Us Uncomfortable podcast, and you can find them at ATMU Show on Twitter. Go check them out. Hello! I'm Hillary Holt. I'm Hillary Batliner, and we are That's KC, a paranormal and true crime podcast based in Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas. Just like paranormal stories, listen to the even episodes. Just like true crime stories, listen to the odd episodes. Why? Because we switch between them each week. I mean, it'd be nice if you listened to them all, but whatever your decision, you can listen to That's KC on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You can even visit thatskcpod.com for more details or find us on social media at That's KC Pod. And that's Casey. Look at us. We did it. Yay. All right, Derek, you want to get to an audience question? <laughs> yeah. My, uh, my, my whole business is still kind of fucked up at the furry thing, but we'll, we will persevere. Man, we're, we're on a show. You can't talk about that kind of stuff. Look, we talk about it all the time, so sometimes it's going to make it onto the podcast. I told you that. All Jesus right, Frank. all right. <laughs> Get your all together, all together, and let's do our thing. All right, hit me. What's the weirdest job you ever had? Sent in by Yes But Why. Hmm. Indeed. Frank, hmm. I'm going to let you answer this one first, because the thing is, I had fairly mundane jobs like I, I think i pretty much like run the gamut of all the jobs that you're kind of supposed to have as a person like i did grocery store i did short order cook so you could kind of consider it kind of fast foody then i did retail and then i mean i had a brief stint in hr which was odd <laughs> it's kind of kind of like the uh the wolf in sheep's clothing i guess <laughs> 
<laughs> and then I then I moved straight to development. I've had I've been in development ever since. So I haven't really had a lot of weird jobs. I mean, I haven't um, had any weird jobs either. The weirdest job that I had, and and I guess you've had the same job, is I worked at a grocery store for a while. Uh huh. Specifically, I got hired as a cashier, and the thing that makes it weird is. I almost never checked anybody the fuck out because the thing I that mean, happens is I'm a really big guy. And so right. I get onto jobs and invariably, if there's anything that involves heavy things being lifted or some other time uh, of manual labor, you are the default, you know, Hey, I'm the default Frank guy to help us carry this. Yeah. If so, the forklift breaks, go get Frank. He'll, he'll carry the pallets for us. <laughs> and fuck indeed. And it was terrible. So yeah, like for as much as I had the, the job title of cashier, most of my job actually revolved around dude who cleans up trash in the grocery store. Yeah. That's, that's not, that's mm, not very fun. Mm-mm, yeah. I can tell you one thing when, <laughs> When grocery stores finally go ahead and throw something away, it's only because they had to to stop it from escaping the store under its own power. <laughs> like, they don't throw away shit when it goes bad. They throw away shit when it goes worst. <laughs> they throw it away when it becomes sentient. Like, <laughs> I, um... The worst thing that happened was someone picked up a jar of pickles on, okay. on one of the aisles, and I don't know why. I guess they looked at the expiration date, and in shock and disbelief, <laughs> it slipped from their nerveless fingers and fell to the ground uh -huh. and shattered. And those pickles had gone bad a long time ago. And pickles... really. Like, you, you make pickles to preserve things. Specifically... Right, for a long fucking time. Pickles are a thing that's not supposed to go bad, so when pickles go bad... <laughs> they go real bad. Mm, they go unholy levels of bad. <laughs> like, the stench that came out of that goddamn jar was driving people out of the fucking building. Wow. Oh, that is fantastic. Oh, it oh. was just unbelievable. And of course, guess who the poor son of a bitch that gets called over to deal with this cleanup on aisle four? Of course it was you. Oh, man, it was just terrible. So I was always doing shit like that, like slogging out stuff that was, was just unconscionably bad and terrible smelling. Yeah. And, and there's one thing about me that people will, will probably find out fairly quickly after meeting me is that I'm, I'm relatively fastidious on my person. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I don't like to smell weird or bad. <laughs> so that yeah. was a goddamn nightmare. Yeah. You probably had to burn your fucking clothes after that one. Cause like, I, cause you, you had to have accidentally stepped in it. And when you were, you know, ringing out the mop, you probably got a little bit on your, on your pants or on your shirt. So Yeah. That, that some of that unholy funk probably followed you for a little bit. Yeah, the the only no saving that. grace about that job was also because again I was cashier but never did any fucking cashiering. Uh huh. I was kind of like the second guy in the produce section. Okay. So which is which is actually you know no shit like that is fairly prestigious like 
the the fucking produce guys at grocery stores like I did not realize the amount of I don't know what you would even call it the amount of work that it takes to become that fucking produce manager holy shit like that is like if you had to choose between CEO and a produce manager like the produce manager has more esteem amongst his peers like it is oh, fucking yeah. ridiculous oh yeah i mean i wasn't the produce manager i was the second fiddle so i was the guy that did all the things the produce manager was the one that decided <laughs> what needed to get done right but the saving grace of that one and it's a, it's a weird thing so uh as a secret that that people will be able to use is if you go into a store you can tell the approximate freshness of any produce that happens to be there by how long or short the useless stock of that piece of produce is. Because the methodology okay. by which you keep produce looking green and, and fresh as long as possible is that you trim a, a quarter of a half an inch or so off the end of it and then put it like, make sure it gets wet and then put it in, in the fridge. Uh, so you got oh. you got to trim the end off in order for the water to to get drawn back up into the into the plant. Uh, mm. So if if you're picking up a stalk of of celery and that stalk of celery is you know super short and the celery pieces are about to start coming apart, that thing's been there for fucking ever. Or if you get some cilantro and the cilantro is just about nothing but leaves and a little bit of stick, then that cilantro has been there forever. See, you were you were. I did not expect this type of expose on the uh, the grocery industry, so you're gonna have to give me a minute to process this because this is uh, I do a lot of grocery shopping, and <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking I think I'm buying fresh produce, but maybe maybe, maybe you're buying old not. produce. Maybe I'm buying old produce. But uh, in cutting up the produce, the thing that was the saving grace because I would by the end of the day I always stank like garbage. Not the garbage uh-huh. boy, but I always smell like garbage by the end of the fucking day. And also by the end of the day, I'm the guy closing out the produce. And cilantro, when you cut up a lot of cilantro and it gets all over you, <laughs> it's a fairly pervasive smell, but it's a pleasant right. one. And right. I can tell you from personal experience that cilantro does a pretty good job of covering up fucking trash. <laughs> and i mean it's a it's a pretty decent chick magnet like because everybody loves like good tacos so i mean you walk by and it's like you don't smell like the meat you smell like you know the the fragrant topping that everybody loves on top of them and so you know everybody's like "Ooh, what's that smell that's frank eastman indeed except approximately 20 percent <laughs> of the population hates cilantro Oh, that's true. Yeah. So I know some people say that it tastes like soap. Does it smell bad to them too? You know, I don't I don't know. I haven't asked. I think so. I think they just have like an immediate sort of triggered response. They're like, oh God, not cilantro. That tastes like soap. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like me in, in licorice root, which also is like star anise, but uh I refuse to call it, you know, anise root. Or star anise, <laughs> because I think everybody has a problem with the anise. <laughs> <laughs> Some of that star anise. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. I, by and large, have had fairly fairly standard jobs. Like I did have a, a three week stint 
where I worked uh, before I got my you know the job at the textiles plant. I actually got hired to work as uh, pretty much like an HR desk boy. Like I, I'd sit at the front desk and people would come in and give me their their resumes and I'd you know give out parking passes and shit like that. And so I, I worked there for probably three or four weeks, and I mean it was it was actually pretty enlightening. Like I found out a lot about HR in a short amount of time. But I ended up doing like, you know, you know, Excel spreadsheet uh, macros and, you know, kind of trying to like modernize all their shit. And of course, they couldn't, you know, couldn't leave well enough alone. And so, uh, you know, they told the development department down the down the hall and I got drafted into the development department. Um, but the three- <laughs> A hero is born. Right. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm very gl- grateful that it happened that way. But the three or four weeks that I was there was actually pretty, pretty interesting. That's, that's the beginning and the end of that story. Uh, <laughs> that was a brief stint in HR, but no, the, the only other jobs I've had have been like retail and, and grocery store and things like that. I will say the one part, there was one retail job that I had that mo- most of the other ones that I had, the other retail jobs, we didn't have to clean the, the toilets, but this one particular retail job. I guess they couldn't afford to have a cleaning crew. So the employees cleaned the restroom and I will tell you when I quit that job, Frank Eastman was the day that I walked into there. The, the AC did not work. Uh, it was August and I walked into a restroom that was, we'll say 60% contaminated with human shit. (laughs) Like <laughs> now I've, I've seen people have accidents before <laughs> somebody disapparated in a cloud of shit. Like that, <laughs> that is what happened to this person. Like I, there's no explanation. It was, it was, you know, there were two stalls and then there was like the, the separated area with sink and mirror. It was, it was splashed. On the mirror and the sink. Someone explain the physics of that. That's yeah, talent. Like, like, did it happen more than once? Like, is that how it happened? Like, or did somehow the <laughs> the the shit become uh, incorporeal for a moment to pass through the barrier of the stall and then you know re uh, rematerialize and then splatter on the um on the mirror and sink. And so the, the the kicker of all that is so so it was it was hot. I mean, we're talking 85 degrees in the building and that that shit was 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 ripe. Like it was it was a well-done funk which which you know, I would have I would have stepped up cuz somebody has to do it, so I would have done it. But the thing is is that that had been in there for the better part of two or three hours, and the and customers had told somebody, but they told the person that left at two p.m. and who came in at two p.m. Derek fucking Lewis, and they had known for several hours, and so they you know passed off their customers to me and whatnot, and then at you know two fifteen somebody says, oh. Derek, the, the restrooms need to be cleaned. So this motherfucker knew about it for two to three hours, said, uh-uh, I ain't doing that, and passed the buck to Derek fucking Lewis. 
And this is how Derek found out that he was too pretty for prison because he went in for a stint for murder. <laughs> it was that was that was brutal. That is the fir- that's probably the first time and one of the few times I have ever just told my manager I refuse to do that on the grounds that it is unmitigated horseshit. <laughs> like that's you call them and I actually I stood firm. I made them you know, and they understood like they, they, they got it. Like once I explained the situation, they, you know, they were on my side, but essentially they called the person back and told them you can either come back and clean it or you're fucking fired. And, uh, I'll take option B. Right. (laughs) They chose option B. They no longer were employed by, by the fine establishment. Um, they actually, they actually paid somebody to come clean it. Like they didn't make one of us do it because, like, when when I say this is the worst disaster in a restroom, and and I'm me, like I am the hero, I am the Hiroshima of bathroom disasters, and this was worse. Like this was terrible. Yeah, it, it the the job wasn't exciting, but some of the things around it <laughs> were what you might call exciting. All right, Derek, you want to do an issue from the internet? Oh, let's do that. Uh, uh, this issue is from Anonymous. They they don't have a, a name on here. So we will call them XX Rando Edgy XX. How about that? All right. <laughs> we'll, go with a, we'll go with a uh, a MySpace name for you. How do I get out of this without, without making someone mad at me? So fairly generic title, but uh, then we're about to fall off a cliff. I'm a single 20-year-old guy working in an office of mostly women. One day I went in the employee lounge and there was my good friend Wanda crying. I asked her what the problem was. She said her 16-year-old daughter, Kim, had just called. Kim had worked many weekends to save money for her dress for the big school dance. Kim's date for the dance had just called and said he was not taking her unless she promised sex after the dance. Mm. Kim told him off, but was devastated that she was not going to the dance. I told Wanda that was not right. And I would take Kim to the dance if that was okay with both of them. Wanda called her daughter and her daughter said the problem was solved um, or, and told her the problem was solved. She told Kim she'd be the envy of every girl at the dance. Uh, I did take her to the dance and I thought she enjoyed it. The next day, Wanda told me that Kim had said I had turned the worst day of her life into the best day ever. And she could not thank me enough. Wanda also ter- told her coworkers what I did. And now a lot of my coworkers want me to take their daughters on a date. <laughs> the problem, <laughs> the, the, the problem, the problem, as they say, is that they have a girlfriend. That's the biggest problem. Anyone have any ideas how I can not go on all these dates without making my coworkers or, or girlfriend mad at me? <laughs> let's <laughs> let's go to a land, Derek, where we assume that this is true. let's go there frank because otherwise this is the worst deer penthouse i have ever heard of yeah i i agree (laughs) and when i read it the first time like i was like oh this is you know this is a quite a pickle this will be funny let's do that now that i read it again like it does seem a little braggadocious like like it's like all my milkshake brings all my coworkers' daughters to the yard. Like, See, I was gonna say, like, I think 
to, to solve this problem, the easiest way for uh, a grown man with a job to get out of taking a bunch of people's uh, teenage daughters on dates is to say something along the lines of, oh man, I've got to take all these teenage girls on dates. <laughs> I think yeah, that would solve the problem. Yeah, I think I think just citing the law would be enough to kind of get him out of this commitment. I mean, I guess it doesn't necessarily say what country it's in, but yeah, this is this is not okay. Like, I understand the dance thing. Like, I it's it's still odd. Like, it's still odd a little bit, but I get it. Like, you just want to you know save the day, kind of like. Uh, Kind of like Ross and Friends, like, you know, um, Rachel gets stood up and he wanted to be there to help her out, even though he was like 20 at the time. There, That's not good, but it's understandable to save the day. But but the, the next step of saying now, it, it, it didn't say they want me to take their daughters to, you know, their own respective dances. They want me to go to like fucking... I, I don't know, the fucking dinner in a movie with their teenage daughters. Like that. Yeah. There's nothing like, good about that. I thought the <laughs> I thought where this particular question was going was we were gonna get to the and then she interpreted something that I said as saying right. I would take her daughter to the dance and how the fuck do I get out of that before I get arrested and put in jail. <laughs> And the bad part of the jail, the bad part of the jail where people don't come back well. <laughs> the bad part, where the bad, where the dirty boys truly live. There, there's a special hell. Yeah, yeah. No, he did the thing. Like, he, he took her to the dance. And uh, and then apparently she told all of her friends and all of her friends like, you know what my teenage girl needs? A little bit of company of a... <laughs> single 20 year old guy that uh has no aspiration in life there's <laughs> my god you know i i actually feel skeevy even even reading this question like at first i thought it was going to be the chuckles but i'm really being overtaken by the skeeviness uh <laughs> about this first we were going to get some laughs and now we're just like mm, maybe mm, mm, no just no no <laughs> Oh God! So I, I think I think we can carte blanche say, uh, a if you are if you are eighteen or over, you cannot go anywhere <laughs> for any reason with anybody who is not also of legal age. Let's just throw that out there. B if if other mothers are asking you to do the same with their daughters, you you can. And should tell them no, because either they are ignorant of the law or it's a sting. <laughs> Maybe this is a trap. I was going to say, is this just one big to catch a predator? <laughs> oh, what's that fucker's name? Uh, Chris something? What, what's his name? Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen. There we go. <laughs> he shows up. He shows up to pick up the daughter for the movie. Uh, and it's just Chris Hansen in there. And I mean, maybe Chris Hansen is in a, in a pretty little dress, but, um, still he's being told to have a seat. 
Oh, man. So the only way yeah. I think this works out for this guy okay is if he just kind of creates creates a girl squad by saying, okay. yes, let's all go, you know, so he sets up the same date like five or six times, <laughs> but instead of actually going to the date, it's just all these girls getting together and then they right. form like our, their own little friend click. <laughs> And they go on adventures and stuff together. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and they find out that friendship is magic. And that uh, not needing a creepy older guy was within them all along. Which is a very important lesson. And I'm trying to think, like, this has to be a plot to a 90s sitcom. Like... Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or Saved by the Bell or something where maybe not necessarily the creepy factor, but just like the, oh, I committed to too many dates and I, I'm going to tell them all to meet up at the same place and just let them all show up and let them all be friends. Like, I, I mean, feel that's a plot. 90s sitcoms, I think, were a little less aware and were perfectly willing to go down this particular path as well. Yeah. Just Just straight on, they'd be like, wouldn't it be funny if some 20-year-old guy had to take a bunch of 14-year-old girls on dates? Mm. Mm. 90s sitcoms or modern Japanese video games? <laughs> I wish you were wrong, but no, you are, you are very correct. Christ on a cracker. All right, I think it's time for us to punch the clock. <laughs> oh, it, it fucking has to be. All right. Thank you all so much for listening to the show. We have a Threadless merch store. If you'd like to buy some of our Work Life Imbalance logo products, you can find it at worklifeimbalance.threadless.com. We would love to hear from you guys, so if you have any questions you'd like for us to answer on air, send them to questions at wlicast.com. You can also visit us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wlicast or on Twitter at wlimbalance and use the hashtag wlicast. This has been the Work-Life Imbalance Podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. I'm Derek Lewis. And with that, I think we're going to have to transfer you.